You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. I want to express my special thanks to the pastor and to the congregation for letting me have the opportunity to share the Word of God tonight and uh, be here in this pulpit. I won't be moving around. I'm used to speaking to a mic. (laughs) I've done radio ministry for almost 25 years, different radio ministries in churches that I've pastored. And then we have a mission ministry that we started in 1993. The Lord opened the door for that. And we've traveled all over the world. And uh, from that ministry, we still do a weekly radio program. Continue to pray for us as we're anticipating and hoping that the door will open, that we can get back on the mission field for a trip this year. Tonight, I want to talk about Christian victory. We're not going to have a Bible reading so you can relax and remain seated, but we're going to share with you Christian victory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege to come to you in prayer. We thank you for the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we pray that it will be a special presence this evening as we hear the word of God. Hide your servant behind the cross. Let us humble our hearts before you. Let us listen clearly. If there is anyone who does not know Christ as personal Savior, may they come to know him. And as Christian believers, let us examine our hearts and may we rededicate and redevote our lives to you. And yes, live in Christian victory. In Christ's name, amen. It contains 783,137 words. Thankfully, tonight, it's not my message. (laughs) Because we would never get done. (laughs) And it is not a bill before the U.S. Congress to dismiss the national debt, if that is ever possible. It's the number of words in the King James Bible. That many words, 783,137. And think about that for a moment. Those words, that's all that is necessary to know how to live life and to know the joy of having life and having it abundantly. You can study this a lifetime and still not exhaust all of the wisdom and knowledge that we can gain from it. 
Tonight, I'm going to consider only 12 words. And those 12 words give us Christian victory. We cannot lose if we follow those 12 words. So if you have your Bibles open to Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, very well-known verse for most of us, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I believe that we're living in exciting times. God is still in control of this world. The church is alive. It's well. We have countless blessings that God gives to us every day. We, we have special privileges and opportunities. When we rise up in the morning, it's all new. It's a clean slate. And we can serve the Lord in a new day. The second coming of Jesus Christ is growing closer and closer. Without going into details, and I don't believe I have to go into details, the world is a wreck. Sin, chaos, and destruction are constantly around us. So how do we get encouragement? How do we get hope as Christian believers? It comes from the word of God. And our text tells us to have, how to have victory in life. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Think about that verse because in that verse, the Christian never loses. The Christian never loses. There are two important steps in that text, and this is a textual sermon. How to have a victorious Christian life. And if we follow this verse to a T, we will not lose here upon this earth, and we will not lose in eternity. First step is to live for Christ. To live is very strong and emphatic in the Greek language. It means a lifetime commitment to Jesus Christ. Letting Jesus Christ live in us and through us so that others can see him. Now that's impossible to do without knowing him. Life is blood. If you take away blood, you don't have life. It's impossible to have life without blood. When God breathed into the nostrils of man, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and it was placed in blood. Now, man claims to be very close to creating blood and creating life. 
This reminds me of a joke about the scientists. A group of scientists are fed up with the literal interpretation of Genesis and the creation story. So the scientists decide to send an emissary to talk with God. And they plan to entrap God by having a human making contest. You see, these scientists think that they can create human beings faster and better than God can. And so they appear before God and God says to them, you go first. The scientists stoop over to scoop up some dirt. And immediately, and at this point, God says, oh no, that's my dirt. You get your own. Life belongs to God and uh, comes directly from him. That's where we get life. But why is blood so important? It not only provides physical life, but it also provides spiritual life. You go back to the Garden of Eden. Immediately after the fall in the Garden of Eden, God brought judgment upon Adam and Eve and upon Satan. And in Genesis chapter 3, and you don't need to turn there if you don't wish, but Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 is the very first cross prophecy. God is going to provide life for us. And he says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. That is really the beginning of revelation. And in the New Testament, we have that revelation in Christ Jesus And Christ Jesus gave himself on the cross that you and I might have life. How do we have that life? Because he shed his blood. Life is in the blood. And it's because of his blood that we have life. And we have it abundantly. This gives us complete life. Not only the physical life, but it also gives us the spiritual life. For to me to live is Christ. That's for true believers. That's that's for Christians. How do we live for Christ? Our lives, our desires, our ambitions, our dreams, our hopes. We give our total life, our complete life to the Lord. Athletes are committed to winning. They they like to win. And in order to win, they will train. They will train endlessly. They will develop over the years. They will give their lives to be best in the sport. They live, they eat, and they sleep their sport. They sacrifice their bodies 
to reach that ultimate goal of having victory. Well, the same applies to the Christian life. At the end of his life, the Apostle Paul was writing to young Timothy, and uh, he concluded in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Think about that for a moment. I'm amazed at how this man turned around. He was sold out to get rid of Christianity. He had the authority. He had the legal papers to persecute and martyr Christian believers. But on his way to Damascus, he met the Lord Jesus. And he became the Apostle Paul. And he went from destroying the Christian life to living it. And living it with full dedication and devotion. And he was even willing to be martyred for the sake of the gospel. Same is true in the Christian life. You and I must make a daily commitment to the Lord Jesus. We must be obedient to him. We we can't live a normal, average Christian life. It has to be a total commitment to the Savior. Go over to Colossians, just a few pages over, and then Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it tells us how to live this Christian life. If ye then be risen with Christ, speaking again of Christian believers, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Now notice verse 2. Set your affection on the things of this world. Oh, I'm sorry, I got the wrong version tonight. Set your affection on the things above. That is, in heaven. Not on the things of this earth or on this earth. We're to set our affection on things above. All that we accomplish on this earth without the Lord Jesus Christ will be destroyed. It will be nothing. That's why we give our whole heart, mind, soul, and body to the Lord Jesus. Love is a growth process. If you say that you love someone, how deeply do you love that person? It's like the marriage relationship. Over 54 years ago, my wife and I made a commitment to each other in marriage. Why? Well, we just wanted to. No, we loved each other. We loved each other. 
But for love to last, it has to grow. It has to mature. People don't understand love today. It takes commitment. And our love for each other is deeper today than it was 54 years ago. Does God work miracles? I believe that God does work miracles. We grew up in the same little town in Maine. Knew each other. But we never liked each other in our youthful years. <laughs> Amazing. God brought us together. And knowing Jesus Christ and having my wife are the best experiences that I've had in this earthly life. You see, true love never loses romance. It never loses the flame. But it grows brighter and brighter in time. Now, after the service, you may want to get her version. <laughs> That's the same with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do we really love him? Do we really care for him? How deep is that love? Just a side note, when we talk about marriage, it's between one man and one woman. And in that marriage relationship, it's not a 50-50 proposition. It's a 100% proposition for each partner. You give 100% to that marriage relationship. I do not accept these man-made definitions of marriage. They are made out of lust, they are made out of uncleanness. Romans 1 tells us that specifically. But they want us to be politically correct. I'm not interested in being politically correct. I'm more interested in being morally and biblically correct. That's the important thing because political correctness goes down the wrong road. And it's always wrong. Now when we talk about marriage, Paul talks about that in relationship to Jesus Christ and the church. So the same holds true in living for the Lord Jesus Christ as Christian believers. Again, it's not a 50-50 relationship. When Jesus Christ gave himself on the cross, he gave 100%. And if Christ gave 100% for us, should we not give 100% for him? The New Testament commands us to be steadfast and unmovable in our commitment to him. We can't waver, we can't fail in the storms of life, and there will be storms in life. 
We need to love him with a deep love and live for him daily no matter what comes upon us. Our plans, our objectives, our goals are to focus on his will and plan for our lives. Sadly to say, there are times that we fail and uh, we take on the fair weather syndrome. We lose our strong commitment and become less motivated for the Savior and without spiritual exercise, we develop flabbiness and limpness and floppiness and looseness and laxness. We fail to do our best and we grow independent from God, becoming occupied with ourselves. And without constant spiritual discipline, our lives no longer crave to live for Christ. The spiritual zeal that we once had plummets to non-existence. The Apostle Paul, probably one of the most persecuted believers that ever lived, writes, writes these words from a prison dungeon, Philippians, as well as some of the, the prison epistles. He had to take care of himself. He had to get his own meals, had to take care of his clothes. They didn't do that for him. He departed heavily upon fellow believers. But in light of all of this, sitting there in the dungeon, he believes that he's going to be delivered and he's going to have victory. Like Paul, you may be going through rough times. How are you handling it? Are you living for Christ? Are you living the victorious life? Thankfully, you and I have not had to pay high costs to live for Christ. My wife and I have ministered in closed countries to the gospel. We've had to go in as tourists. We cannot meet in the churches. We meet behind closed doors. We could tell you story after story of how Christians live for Christ despite persecution and imprisonment and even martyrdom. And continuously, parents try to make a way of escape for their children. We received this response from the radio broadcast this past Sunday. And I don't know if the person is a Christian or not. I would assume that probably she is because she was listening to the program. She says, my name is Floor. And she gives her complete name. I'll just give the first name. I live in Santiago de Cuba. The hardships of our economy have given me a terrible mental state. So many of my family have taken great chances to reach the United States. And I want to try too. I know God will protect me. Please pray. We've heard many of those same words throughout the world. 
Christians all over this world are risking their lives for the Lord. And yet they remain devoted to our Savior. We sorrow when a family member, relative, or friend that dies. That's not wrong. I, I find it amazing that the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. He took time to weep at the tomb of Lazarus, knowing that in a few moments he was going to resurrect him from the dead. Now certainly it shows us the humanity of the Lord Jesus and an example of how we ought to respond in life. The early believers were often martyred for their faith in the Lord. But they would rejoice in death because they knew that they would be present with the Savior. Our text, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain, talks about the thrill of living for Christ day by day. But the greater victory comes in seeing Jesus Christ face to face. The walk with Christ gets better and better when we make a total commitment to the Savior. And the final victory is presence with him. If the life and death for Christ are victorious, then why are so many believers living in defeat today? Our text tells us it is completely impossible to lose in this life and the future life in Christ. So why do they live in defeat? The problem arises when we determine not to follow Jesus all the way. We, we make decisions that are contrary to his will and plan for our lives. And so daily we must surrender to God. Yeah. We're not the finished product. God is still working on us. And what is the ultimate goal of the Christian life? We are to be like Christ. In this same epistle in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5, Paul writes... Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, have the same attitude. Have the same personality. Have the same response as the Lord Jesus. The sole objective of the Christian experience is what? To become like Jesus Christ. To become like Jesus Christ. And then secondly, the victorious life, to die is gain. In this life, we prepare for eternity. Gain here means business. It's a business term. And it means gaining something with profit or success. Death is not the end of life. Death is really the beginning of life. And uh, this passage 
talks about the eternal state. For to me to live is Christ. And then to die is the gain. Death is a passageway. And when we die, we go into eternity. We are either present with the Lord or we are absent from the Lord throughout all of eternity. You see, we determine what we are going to be in eternity here upon this earth. Did you realize that all of us are marked HB? Heaven bound or hell bound? Those who are marked hell-bound are losers without Christ. Those who are heaven-bound are winners with Christ. Thank God that we have the privilege of knowing Christ as personal Savior. We have a long way to go. We don't know when we're going to reach heaven. We don't know when we're going to meet this objective. How do we know? Where do, you, where do we start? When do we start living for Christ? It's now, not tomorrow. It's now. Where, where do we begin? Every one of us here in this auditorium have different levels in our Christian experience. But we walk with God. We walk with him each day and we begin where we are. Are we living in a sin? Are we unwilling to live for Christ? Are there other priorities in our lives? Do we lack devotion and dedication for the Lord? You realize our lives and our Christian commitments speak volumes of who we are and what we do in life. We, we can speak many, many words to people about Christ, but those words mean nothing if we are not living the Christian life. It, it's our body language that speaks the loudest. And the non-Christian watches your life. And if it does not speak Christ, they want nothing to do with the gospel and they want nothing to do with salvation. To be an effective and fruitful witness for the Lord, we not only tell them about Christ, but we walk godly before them. The Christian never loses. That's our text. We enjoy to be on the winning side. I, I thank God that I'm on the winning side. The, the world's on the losing side. Sin does not deliver. Sin enslaves. Sin ends in spiritual death. There's no nation, there's no government, there's no leader that can deliver us. The world has no hope as it's going down a downward trend. 
has no hope whatsoever. We can be thankful tonight as Christian believers that we're on the winning side. Don't, don't let the affairs of this world discourage or defeat you. Make the decision to follow Jesus Christ and live for him at all cost. And if you have never received Jesus Christ as personal savior, God is giving you another opportunity. And we as believers need to make a new commitment to live for Christ daily. Oh yes, the road of life may get harder. We have no guarantees. But be assured that as a Christian, nothing can defeat you if you live for Christ. The beloved disciple of Jesus, the Apostle John, gives us the confidence in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4 when he writes, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Now notice this. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Who is in us? Christ Jesus. And he is greater than Satan. God loves us. God desires to give us the best. But it's not going to come until we live for Jesus. Sometimes I ask people how they are doing, especially at work. And the response is, living the dream. They say it sarcastically, really. But we as the children of God are not living the dream. We are living reality. Life at its best. And this one book, this one book, the Bible, tells us how to have life and how to live life. Let us stand for the invitation. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I ask this question. Do you know Jesus Christ as personal Savior? And if you have never made that decision, come to Jesus Christ tonight. He that has the Son has life. But he that does not have the Son of God does not have life. If you have never asked him to forgive you of your sins and received him into your heart, why not come to him tonight? Those without Christ lose in this life and they lose in eternity. God is ready to give you the gift of salvation but you must be willing to receive it. And Christian, if God has spoken to your heart, the altars are open. It is now time to let the Holy Spirit work in your heart and life. As I was preparing this message, God spoke to my heart, and I pray that he has spoken to you.
We're living in a day and age when it is most important to live totally for Christ and to stand strong in this godless world. Father, We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.